Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. As promised in our daily financial news this morning, thank you for watching. We have a special guest and friend of the channel, Mr. Dion from Dion Talk. How are you doing, sir? Howdy. Doing great. Ready for round one. Thanks for having me on a Monday. I look forward to Thursdays, so it's yeah. a really treat for me. I, I love it when you and I get together and just have one-on-one. Not that I don't love Three Amigos, but sometimes uh, it's nice to sprinkle just Dion alone, so I appreciate you. Yeah. So what I want to talk about here is there's a financial metric that is kind of hinted at in stocks and in companies, but never, never talked about at the family level. And I think everybody needs to talk about it. I think everybody needs to calculate it. And I think a lot of you aren't doing it. Uh, and that is something that goes by the name of disposable income. What do you think of that? Uh, what kind of questions you might have uh, about disposable income? I, th I think explaining it to people who haven't thought in that form would be step one. Yeah. Because most people think of disposable as I don't need it. <laughs> right. It's yeah. disposable. I could live without it. Yeah. But when you explain it and, and I'll give you my take, my, my version of the takeaway that I have, and then you mm -hmm. can clarify sure. when you make money, mm -hmm. a certain amount of that money is allocated to expenses that are going to happen. Mm -hmm housing, healthcare, food, transportation, those kind of things, you know, wants versus needs. You have needs that need to be covered. Mm -hmm. So what's left after that technically would be disposable income, even though disposable doesn't mean you don't need it. It means that's the money you can put to work. Yeah. Yeah. So when you listen to me on my daily financial news and I'm talking about earnings, right? We talk about revenue, top line, and then there's this other one called net income or earnings per share. At the individual family level, and if you're an individual who lives alone, you are that family unit, you have the same thing. You have your income, then you have a list of expenses that, oh, by the way, starts with taxes and 401k and insurance and rent or mortgage and food and this and this and this and this. And then at the end of the day, hopefully you got something left. So what in, in your family life, that is called disposable income. So what is disposable income? Disposable income is, in theory, stuff you could light on fire and it wouldn't change your life. It is where savings occurs. It is where the income snowball kicks in. It is where you have options. And, you know, I, in my Get Your Money Right course, we talk about disposable income as it relates to time. Because unfortunately, talking about money is not easy, right? People don't like to do it. But so I like to do is talk about time. Let's just say, for example, for easy math, you make $100. And your disposable income after everything is $10. If you were to go buy a $500 thing, a lot of you are like, cool. I know it's only five hours of my life. Wrong. Because 
$90 of your 100 is already spent. It is actually 50 hours of your life. Or that one $500 purchase is, uh, what is that? Six days, six and a half days of work because you only have $10 an hour of disposable income. You guys are not thinking about disposable income. The reason you are terrified about money is because you have no disposable income. You are living on the razor's edge, not because of income. It's because of disposable income. When you are scared and freaked out, your disposable income is zero. And oh, by the way, some of you are negative. Your disposable income is negative. You are living on freaking credit cards in a wing and a prayer. We need to talk about disposable income. We need to focus on disposable income. And for most of you, the way to increase your disposable income is either to attack expenses or attack the top line. So let's talk about the top line first, because I think most of you are, are in a very unique time and there are multiple ways you can increase top line. But let's not, let's not be cavalier. If you are terrified about money, it is because your disposable income sucks. So let's talk about that and let's fix that. So let's talk about uh, top line. What do you think, Dion? Well, I like the format of the video. Uh, we've both, um, I run a company, you've ran divisions, like you've had several people working for you. I have about 60 staff working for me. And a problem for me is when, and it might've been the same for you, when a staff member comes up and says, here's a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. You, you, what's the solution? Yeah, exactly. So, so we've pointed out the problem is people aren't looking at their disposable income when they're mm -hmm. making expense choices. That's the problem. So the solutions, there's there's a couple. One, we want to increase top line. Mm -hmm. We want to reduce expenses. So top line, a lot of people, especially in the investing world, undervalue the importance of their W-2 income. Agreed. In, in the beginning, this is where the ability to get the fixed rate debt comes from. You're, you're, it's so weird. You can make a lot of money running a business, but if you don't have a track record with, with tax returns and, and ability to show consistency, lenders aren't likely to do that. But you take somebody who gets not even a really high, just a consistent hourly wage, it's easier to get those loans. Mm -hmm. So your W-2, and I've heard you talk about this a few times, we come from a generation where longevity was rewarded. Our parents worked for companies that had pensions and states had pensions, and now those are kind of going away. So we have the mindset of if you stay at a company long enough, you're rewarded. And that's not really true. Now, if you change companies every two to three years, instead of a three to 5% increase every year, you're getting a 10 to 20% increase when you shift employers. Staying in the same field is important for lending. The lenders are going to want to see that you are working in the same industry. But sometimes it's going to take changing employers. Sometimes it could just be having the conversation with your employer, showing out the value that you add and using a version of the binder strategy. And how I get tenants to request a rent increase, you can get your employer to request you to take a raise. Mm -hmm. If you go to your employer and you say, look, this is what somebody doing exactly what I do at another company is being compensated. Why am I making so much less when they're doing exactly the same job? Some employers to retain you might go, well, you ask your employer, what do you think is fair? They might not take you all the way up to what the other person is making. They might not have the bandwidth, but they're probably going to offer something. So that starts with W-2 income, the importance of it for lending. Then I'm actually doing a live stream uh, today when this comes out, probably it'll come out Tuesday. So I'm not sure when you release the video, but on the importance of side hustles. Yes. So some people 
think I don't have time to develop a side hustle. And one of the reasons that I developed a side hustle is because I didn't have time. I couldn't continue to work overtime because I was a single parent with three kids. I had to be at home. So this is going to sound weird and super nerdy, but I played online video games and I turned them into a side hustle. So I could be at home playing games with my kids. They played too, but I was able to generate money from that side, from that game. What are, what are some of the side hustles that you think people overlook? Well, I, first off, I want to want you to know that today is the, the best time ever to monetize your passion, right? You had a passion for playing video games. You want you, your kids did it. it was bonding time. It was all of that. It was all good stuff. And oh, by the way, you were paid to do it. Anybody can monetize whatever their passion is. If you have something that is fun for you, you have a decade of experience with it. I promise you, you could find a way to monetize it, whether it's a YouTube channel, a book, a course, an Etsy page, uh, whatever, right? Uh, I talked to Todd Baldwin on Sundays. We did the uh, choices exercise with him yesterday. Not only does the guy live for free, but essentially he got his groceries for free because his side hustle was uh, secret shoppers. Folks, you are not thinking enough about side hustles today. If you are stressed about money, it's because your disposable income sucks. Think about it. A, never been a better time in my adult life than now to get a raise. If you're in a profession or you have non-competes or whatever and you can't move, side hustle. And for most of you, do both. Do both. So we're gonna, you can increase uh, top line. I have generated four side hustles in the last two years that produced thousands of dollars a month. And I didn't even, I wasn't even trying. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy what you can do today. However, there is another thing. Most of you, and this is what I did, because again, I couldn't change. I was in a commission-based field. I was already very good at what I did and compensated. I went after an audited needs versus wants. Most of you haven't done that. And most of you, most of you are treating wants like needs. But if you want to fix your disposable income and be less stressed, go have a go audit your last 30 days. And then more importantly, take that audit to someone you love and care about and go through it with them. Because most of you are not being um, holding yourself accountable and let them ask you questions. Because again, we took it down 50%. It wasn't immediate, right? You hear me say 50%, you think it's immediate. We got 10% almost right away. And then it was a slow grind down as we found more and more things. So again, if, if you're stressed about money, it is 100% because your disposable income sucks. Step one, increase the top line. Get a raise, change employers, side hustle, or both. Now let's attack the expenses. And you have taught us about the impressiveness of living for free when you did choices about house hacking or Todd Baldwin, or Spencer Cornelia, or the Lumberjack, or Anna. Most of you are, aren't taking a step backward and looking at your biggest expense. It's not the damn latte. So talk about um, you know living for free. You mentioned it. Uh, one of our biggest expenses is taxes. Most people, housing and taxes are their top two expenses, and it can change depending on that situation. Mm -hmm. When you reduce or eliminate your housing costs, you're impacting how much you need to make, including the taxes. 
very good point. Yeah. So when I moved from an apartment, I was paying $1,500 a month. I moved into my duplex where I was then paying $300 a month. So it was a $1,200 a month difference. I'm in the 24 to 28% tax bracket, basically because, you know, it's a graduated tax system, but that's where my income is at. Mm -hmm. So I needed to make an extra $300 or so. So I had, I had to bring in over $1,800 to have the $1,500 to pay for housing. Correct. We reduced that down to 300 a month. And now I only need what, 380? Yeah, something like that. So it's a significant change when you reduce or eliminate eliminate your largest expense. And I I talk to so many people that say, I can't house hack because here's all the reasons. And almost every reason that they list off is a reason they should. Yeah. I can't house hack because I have kids. The sooner you get on the property ladder, the more generational wealth you're going to create. Mm -hmm. So how many millions of families live in apartments? Is your family better than that? How many people could live in a small multifamily, which is like living in an apartment, but you get to pick the neighbors or buy a house with an ADU, not even sharing living space, not touching walls, your separate driveways, single family house lending options. Because house hacking isn't always about reducing or eliminating the housing cost. It can be acquiring properties with owner occupied low down payment loans, rinse and repeat. And then it's, you don't have to house hack forever. No. I mean, I, I'm probably going to because it's addicting, mm-hmm. but I think it's a good addiction. Uh, Lumberjack did it, I think, for 11 years. I think so, yeah. Um, there comes a point, and he did it really smart when he said, okay, we're going to buy a house that will be our forever home. The cost of that mortgage has to be the amount of the rent that we're going to get from the unit we're moving out. Mm-hmm. Technically, I think in my book, that's still living for free. For because sure. the asset you have is paying for your housing. Um, so you you decrease the amount you need for your freedom number because there are some things we keep, we we build up while we're working. Yep, your sound went down really bad. You're back, I think. I'm back now. Yep, go ahead, keep going. Okay, that's so weird. It did that the other day. It did that last week too. Yeah. Sorry about that, folks. We had a 10, 10 second uh, issue and I'm not deleting it. So let's just keep going. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and that completely threw me off. So that's okay. So yeah, we were just talking about the lumberjack living for free, basically, right? He did it. It's it basically a plan. So a lot of people think they can't house hack because, 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 and again, there are probably reasons you should at least think about it. And if you're single, there's no excuse. And again, if you're if you are stressed about money, I promise you it is because of disposable income. The biggest expense you have is housing. If you attack that, life gets better. Here's the deal. Most people spend somewhere between 25 and 30% of their income. That's the top line number on housing. You live for free, A, your disposable income explodes. B, to your point, you got to make less money right? To, for the same standard of living. It's an amazing thing. So, um, and again, I have one more. Go ahead. Sorry. No, please. And this is an unpopular opinion. So oh, this no. is the opinion of Dion from Dion Talk, not from Michael Zuber of One Rental at a Time. We'll, we'll see. I'll, maybe let's see. If your plan is to retire at or after 59 and a half, mm. contributing to your retirement accounts makes sense. Mm. Personally, 
I hate retirement accounts. The thought of a penny being locked away, no matter what the tax benefits are, because when you do take it out, it's going to be taxed at earned income, which is one of the worst forms of taxing. It's not paying you cash flow now. You're not gaining appreciation on multiples of what you invest because you're not using leverage. You're not getting principal pay down where tenants pay off the mortgage. So for somebody who doesn't invest, retirement accounts make sense. Mm-hmm. But if you are investing one rental at a time, the way I did, as soon as I stopped maxing my retirement accounts, I was able to invest faster and make work mm-hmm. optional decades sooner. Yeah. So that's my opinion. Yeah, what I what I would tell you is it's something similar, right? So I I um I always got the company match, but here's my wrinkle. While I was employed, I borrowed against my 401k every year. That's my wrinkle. I used my 401k as a cheap down payment loan every year. So when I borrowed, now again, check your plan and check your employer and blah, blah, blah. My employer allowed me to, to get um it's to select the payback, payback period. So I always chose one year. So I bought one house a year for nine, 10 years as my 401k was the down payment. And then when I left, let's just say I don't have an IRA. You can, you can extrapolate what I did with that money. I don't have a 401k uh, because again, I've already, I chose to be done at 45, not 65. Right. So great way to not make it your opinion that retirement accounts suck, which is what I say. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't say that. I just told you what I did. As much as I I say that, I still contribute for the match. I can do the math that that technically- It's 100% gain. People call it free money. And here's my wrinkle with that. If you have two companies to choose from, one offers a 401k and one does not, check what the wage is because the employer had X amount of dollars to invest in employees. And my experience running a nonprofit with a little over 1200 employers that recruit from us, the ones who offer a retirement match pay less hourly. Yeah, it's math. It's just math. Just math. Well, Dion, how can people find you and get this great conversations? Right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom. My live streams are Tuesday afternoons, 4 p.m. Pacific. Yep. And just so you know, this video comes out at three o'clock today.